0: Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes.
1: Well, welcome back to the Elevate Your Event podcast. We are going to try something we haven't tried before, which I'm super excited about. We have got a guest with us today, Dean Crownover, Benefit Auctioneering Specialist, and he is joining us electronically. So you're not in the studio with us, and I trust technology. I know it's amazing. So this is going to be awesome. But we are so happy to have you with us today. And then joining me today to chat with Dean is Kristen Wheeler. Hi. Hi. Kristen and I work for Hambit, and Dean uh, has graciously uh, agreed to join us. Dean, why don't you tell the folks about you and what you do?
2: Well, hello, guys. And it's not technology. It's magic. Magic. This is magic. It's magical. (laughs) Um, Well, I am a professional benefit auction specialist. So that means that I auctioneer galas all fundraising benefits. I only do galas or nonprofits. I consult with a client, usually up to a year out because that's when they book me and we consult the whole way. My job, let's call it 90% of my job, is all the consulting behind the scenes to set up the revenue streams to make them the most profitable, successful they can be from run of show to everything in between. And then the 10% of the job is if we've laid it all right, get up on that stage and raise them the most amount of money they've ever seen hopefully right that's yeah. always the
1: goal well and so what and what you mentioned there I think is important your job starts well before the event starts working with these folks
2: absolutely in fact I will not take a job like if they call a month out or something like that I usually don't take it because I'm not, I'm not just a hired gun who just shows up and just you know bid calls no 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 I need to be embedded. Because I want to be their diplomat too. I want to know all about their cause.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's hard to do that when you're kind of running against the clock trying to get something organized. So talk about, you know, in terms of your fundraising consulting, because what we like to do on this show is really give advice um, based on our experience and kind of what we know are best practices. Talk about some of the strategies and things that you suggest to your clients or whatever that they need to do at their event.
2: Oh wow. Okay, where do I begin? How long is this podcast? 6 hours. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we're good. Um give us your favorite. Let's start with your favorite house. I'll give you I'll give you like a couple of faves, right? Okay. Hands down. It uh the generic term is paddle raise or fund to need. You guys know what it is, but for those who who don't, that is where we ask the audience for just pure donations. Mm-hmm. Just give. And it's in a very systematic organized way. It is, at the event, the number one revenue stream period. And I'm not talking about sponsorships or ticket sales. I am talking about just money. People want to give and they wanna buy less
1: now. Right, so question for you on that. Do you typically have some of those higher donation levels already lined up before you walk in the room? Yeah,
2: yeah, so there's usually I say to a client, You got two pieces of homework. Well, three technically. Number one, let's we're gonna work out the levels. And the first level, you must have a verbal agreement whether that client can or that guest can be in the room or not, because it's just as successful. So, preferably somebody raises, and I call out their better number, and we give them a big round of applause. But let's just say it's ten thousand, and Mister and Miss. Jones could not be here tonight ladies and gentlemen but they're starting us out at 10,000 give them a huge round of applause so that opens the door who else will join at 10 grand now if other people do excellent 50% of the time they do but in if they don't then i just simply go give mr miss jones another big round of applause and i move to the next level we don't pick a level cuz i early in my career i remember a, a chair once said i said do you have a guaranteed first level and she goes yeah I start at 30000 nobody raised <laughs> mm. then 20 nobody raised then 10 nobody raised 5 oh. i finally got somebody right so it killed the room
0: we so were just yeah talking you want it Yeah, that you can absolutely and you can totally lose a a lot of momentum that you've created through your event and through things leading up to your event, just by what you just said, having amounts called out and, and having that awkward silence. Well,
2: one of my favorite (laughs) favorites is when they have it and that person's in the room and they forgot to raise. I had this happen recently where literally two minutes before walking on stage, I turned to my executive director and I said, is the $10,000 person here? She goes, yeah, he's sitting right there. I go, great, great. So we did the whole setup and the testimonials and all that because the setup is a big part of this. And, and I go, who will give $10,000? Crickets.
0: Oops.
2: Later, she went up to him and go, what happened? He goes, I was so into the testimonials and I was so into what was going on, I totally forgot to raise. But it left us hanging a little bit. We recovered. But, you know, so I guess that's a great excuse. He ended up giving it. So it worked out great.
1: Well, that's good. And so you mentioned the the raising of the paddle. So I would imagine you're in the room. You're kind of guiding this process. So that is your preferred method. You don't want people pulling out their phones and trying to donate online and show some sort of live thermometer up on the screen. Or do you have some experience with that, too?
2: I do. And I... I have found for my audiences and what we do, because I love technology. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Definitely one of the first in Atlanta to embrace it all the way, uh, you know, 13, 14 years ago. But there is an emotional connection when they raise a bid paddle and other people see it. So just Saturday night, the first level I think was 5,000. was a small school. And we knew we had won.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A second one raised. Then I saw a third lady just look at both of them and just nod and go, and she just went like this, raised. There was an energy going on.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Had they all been looking down at their phones, it's it's, it's very different. So there are cases where I still have them raised, because what happens is when I have them raised, I call out their bidder number and I thank them. Mm -hmm. And we write it down to put into, say, hand bid at the end of the night. But I have had cases where I still call them out and then I say, guys, go right into your phone afterwards and put it in.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, And and in a case of a higher level, a lot of times they're going to give in a different way. They're going to write a check or they're going right. to give in some different way for the higher numbers. But I've done both. It's just I have too many people come up to me afterwards and go, wow, that was so... I gave. They would go, wow, I gave much more than I thought I would give because I was just into what this organization does yep and i saw the raising and i just wanted to give more and i do hear that
1: yeah and and you might be shocked to hear this coming from someone who founded a mobile bidding company but i absolutely agree with you Mm. Um, i think that it's difficult to use technology well in that environment i've seen it done well i just think it's harder to your point People feel a little stressed when you're like, now get on your phones." We're going to show a thermometer up on the screen. Everybody's like, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. I want to see my name on the screen. Or I want to see the thermometer go up. And they're stressing out. And I just just don't think you need to do that. I mean, I think that it's way easier, to your point. I mean, how easy is it just to raise your hand, right? And I don't do a
2: thermometer for one reason. Um, I've seen where we've hit it, hit the goal, Mm -hmm. and it stopped. And I don't, mm. I don't ev- want them to ever know where we're at because I tell them at the end, right? Mm-hmm. We set a goal that we market because marketing of the paddle race is tremendous. People aren't doing enough of it. You have, you have to market because couples make decisions at home mostly on how much they're going to give. And, and we want them to be talking at home to give a bigger amount than just being broadsided when they come to the event. And go, "Oh gosh, they're going to ask, Let me give the minimum, right? So we want to market right. market market. We market a goal that is very small, usually, so I look at their data. If they did 100 grand last year, I will probably say, let's market 50, knowing we can we're probably going to get 150, you know, because we're going to go <laughs> over. So when I say, ladies and gentlemen, I've got terrible news. Well, we didn't raise our 50,000. We raised 150,000. And they go nuts, and the live auction usually follows because I'm a big fan of doing the paddle race first, mm-hmm. and the live auction, the energy stays right. You hear
1: that? <laughs> hey, you and what? I are on the same page. Well, you there's another podcast we, we did do. where I'm the only one out on an island saying paddle race first. So oh, Dean, 110%. you and I weren't. Yeah, were Yeah, we're I, I've been doing that for
2: there. five years. And we have our own convention, the Benefit mm-hmm. Auctioneer uh, Summit, through the Auctioneers Association, and, it, and it's the meeting of the minds. It's the best of the best. And we we were in the minority. There were only a couple of us that would stand up and say, yes, sir, we do it first. And Jeff, do you know why you like doing
1: it first? Do I know why? Yeah. Well, I gave my reasons on the last He
0: podcast. certainly knows why.
1: Well, tell me the number one <laughs> I reason. I do. My number one reason is is because – Usually it comes right after whatever program people are doing. And so those people are connected to what you just said, and now you're asking them to support that. And in a lot of cases, you interrupt that by having people who probably aren't going to participate in your live auction anyway sit for 30 minutes through a live auction just to ask at the end. So that's why I like doing it first. You lose
0: and that absolutely, and
2: And 100% of that audience can give in the paddle raise. We're only... 20% maybe can afford the live. Yep. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We uh, It's the emotional roller coaster. We hit them with the emotions, collect there, and then get into the fr- fun and frivolity of the live auction where a minority can play. So if everybody yep. else wants to go to the bar or whatever, we got them. Yep. Right? I they agree. already participated. So, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of doing it first.
1: Hey, so just want to let you know this event is brought to you by Handbid. Handbid is mobile bidding and auction technology software built by fundraisers for fundraisers. So we're able to help you guys with everything from ticketing and registration to mobile bidding to live auction recording appeals, you name it. And the nice thing is, is in addition to the software that we're able to provide, we have a ton of services we can offer you. If you need help getting everything set up, if you need coaching, if you need just counseling and advice on how to get through your event, if you need someone to show up and make sure that it runs smoothly, these are all the types of services that we offer. So if you want more information about what we do, please click on the link below or reach out to us at handbid.com and we'd be happy to talk to you.
0: Dean, what are some other elements that go into an effective and successful paddle raise? How do you set the tone? We've talked before about videos and and you touched on connecting them to your organization. What are some effective ways that you've seen people do that that generates that connection and that power of influence in the room for the paddle raise? I
2: like it, what I call the funnel system. Assume it was a seated dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Got them in the room. We did our welcome, short welcome. Let them eat dinner. Let them uh, talk to each other at the table for a little while. No programming. Then when the dirty entree plates are gone and the desserts go down, then the second part of the show, which is going to be the fundraising. And I usually like the executive director or whomever is the spokesperson for the organization kind of come out and give their, if you will – 2 minutes, State of the Union of where that organization is. Thanks to you, the audience, here's what we've done in the last year, but here's what we need to do in the next Mm -hmm. year, and we need your help. Then she or he would probably introduce a short video, and I say short on everything, short speeches, video, because the attention spans are tiny. We're Zoom generation. The audiences are what I call generation blend. It's now millennials and older. So we need to keep attention spans in mind for everybody. But we do a short video and it may be about the person who's coming up or the family that's coming up because I like that followed by a live testimonial. And that's about two minutes as well. So they, in this six minutes, get to know the organization pretty quickly and funnel down into a specific case. And then we thank, the executive director would thank the testimonial and then say the key words and now we need your help let's bring up dean and that's usually the first time i'm on stage but that is a perfect funnel system to get them emotionally charged and ready to get
1: yeah i like that
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: yeah for sure i like that and i like the fact that you've kind of you've, you've narrowed it down to minutes Knowing that you have you you can capture people's attention for a very short period of time. I think we wrote a blog about this once. About I think how people's attention spans now are shorter than that of a goldfish or something. Yes, it is. Yes. So yeah, and so
2: and I guess that's a. Uh, I don't know if that's a you know I have a 16 year old so TikTok is his world so I don't know if that's because of that or what's going on you know because of Zoom over the last couple of years. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm, I'm a big, you do not have to preach. This is what I tell my clients. They want to over-program. And I said, no, no, no. You got them in the room. They already know why they're there. They already know they're here to give. We're marketing Mm -hmm. that. You don't have to preach to that choir. So you don't have to do these 10 minute presentations and 15 minute. I'm, I'm kidding you not. I did one where they had like 10 minute speeches before I got up, like three of them. And we lost the audience by the time I got up there. Yeah, it's brutal. It was too much, right? You don't have to do that. Hmm. Just remind them why this organization is awesome and why giving to them will change a life. And you can do that in six minutes.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that was your favorite. And it's Hmm. also, I would absolutely agree with you, a very critical piece of any fundraiser is to do an ask. Because guess what? You don't get what you don't ask for. So you should ask. I 100% agree. So you, you've thrown, like, you thrown – like you've got a book, Paddles Up, right? Yep. Great book, read it. You've got some interesting strategy in want, there. I want you to kind of share some of these with us. So one of the ones you mentioned in there is the golden ticket. Why don't you describe what the golden ticket is?
2: So the golden ticket is a drawing or a raffle depending on – your laws. So make sure you know all of your raffle laws and your drawing laws. Make sure you know That
0: episode is coming. That episode is coming coming. with an
1: attorney, (laughs) by
2: the way. (laughs) Tell them to come to Georgia. I love Georgia, but we're county by county is how you have to do it. You are. Mm. I know.
1: I think in Georgia, the sheriff has to sign the raffle license. You are absolutely
2: right. And it is so (laughs) hard to understand. At one point, I had a client the other day go, they told me that we have to be on our property to draw it, even though our gala is at the hotel 30 yeah, miles I away. And I'm like, what? No. you know." So I don't know. Yeah. We, we hear different things. But the Golden Ticket is a drawing. It's a uh, high-end drawing, usually about $100. And yeah. it is usually for something magical like a trip to Tuscany or the Caribbean, all-inclusive. Something that is a no-brainer for me to – do a hundred dollars, maybe two or three hundred dollars to buy two or three chances. And we sell the golden ticket. Um, this is the best practice. It is sell it well before guests get there. Sell it to people who can't come. Okay. Make it open to everyone. Okay. And then you're gonna sell a majority that night. And then you draw it. Jeff, Kristen, when do you when do you draw it? When's the best time to draw it?
1: To draw the golden ticket? Mm-hmm. During Gosh, the run of I show. I don't know. When's the best time? I'll run a show. Maybe before your live auction. Bingo.
0: Right before yeah. or Bingo. right after your, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and
2: because, because how many people will lose? 99.9%. So yeah. you got that winner and then everybody else knows, okay, I've lost that. Let me bid on the live auction. And, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of taking that golden ticket, that item, and assuming it's, you know, I can duplicate it, which you can with a consignment trip normally is mm-hmm. what we'll put in here. And I sell it in the live auction as a surprise item. Because. Very cool idea. 99.9% yep. of the people lost. So they they have emotionally been connected to this thing for a couple of weeks and they've been wanting to win. I did it a couple of months ago. We raised about 18000 I think, in the raffle. And then I turned around and sold five more for eight thousand each. And I think it cost my go. client two thousand each, right? So it was a win.
1: Yeah, I like this idea. You know, because I mean if you think about it, you sell a hundred of these, you've made ten thousand, and you probably bought a consignment item to give away for that raffle that cost you a few thousand dollars. And I think that's good profit for the charity. I mean, in that case, and then the ability then to turn around and take the people that got slightly emotionally connected to winning that item. And then giving them the other opportunity to win it is a great idea.
2: And especially if somebody, somebody who was not in the room won. Yeah. Now it gives it everybody. But here's the keys to making it work. Number one, survey your clients well in advance, especially board members, people who've been there before, who come on a regular basis, who are likely to buy this. Mm-hmm. Where do they want to go in the next two or three years? What's a bucket list item? Tuscany in the last two years has just been so hot. Now I think it's Portugal. Portugal's really big or it's starting to brew. So we look at where do we think this audience is more likely to want to go. So that's the first thing. The second thing is let's get a low reserve price um, yep. from a consignment item, but let's or company, but let's make sure it's a quality trip, right? We don't want to stick them in a, you know, C rated motel somewhere in the middle of the the desert unless right. that's and, where they want to I, go.
1: We should have you back to talk about consignment because you probably sure. have a lot of experience and input there. That is a that's an interesting topic because it is important which consignment companies you work with, because think about it, right? And and we've seen this happen to us. That person who buys that trip is going to be dealing with that probably a year from then. And so it's it's tough because like everybody's moved on. Auctioneers mentally moved on. The charity's mentally right. moved on. Everybody's off. And all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a this second, this trip up. we sold a year ago? Yes. It's a like,
2: extension yes. of the organization. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't have a quality company, and there are many, you're right. The customer service, that donor, if they had a terrible time, will blame you, the organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, you're yeah. you're yeah. the one
2: who's going to get blamed first. So you have to do your due diligence. Um, And I'm happy, uh, you know, and I don't mind saying this. Auctioneers can get referral fees from consignment companies and can make a, you know, a nice money on the side. And that's perfectly fine if, if everyone knows that, right? Mm-hmm. I choose not to take anything. I don't, I'm a flat fee, so I don't take any money from any other vendors because I want to make sure when I, when I tell you a company I like, it's because I like their customer service and I like their product. And because you, the yeah. client, are my number one, and I have to make sure that I'm looking out for your interest first.
1: Right. I totally understand. That makes perfect sense. So Golden Ticket. We love the Golden Ticket. Love it. That is a very cool idea. And
2: market market uh, market it. You got to market like crazy. You have to yeah. let everybody know and let them know when we're going to pull it. And yep. then on the floor, have the best sellers possible. Put them in golden top hats. I talk about this in the book a lot, paddles up. Make them above a he- uh, like above 500 heads. You can see them easily. The other night I did one and it was there it was a high school and they're Druid Hills High School here in Atlanta and they have the Red Devils, that's their mascot. So it was a golden ticket. They found gold horns somewhere, and everybody <laughs> wore them. Who was selling? It was awesome. So all I had to say was, ladies and gentlemen, you want to buy one? Find anybody in the gold horns, and we have I always have a table next to the live auction that is selling it because yeah. I work the floor as the auctioneer, and I hang out at the live auction display, introducing who I am and here's the items, assuming they got none of the marketing right, and make sure you buy your golden ticket right next door. So Perfect. you wanna make sure you lay out that room correctly too.
1: Well, and I think, may not be totally true, but I'm pretty sure you've been known to wear a gold jacket
2: sometimes <laughs> yeah, as well. that's right. I got 35 <laughs> jackets and I let the clients choose because they become yeah. a thing and it's great. I'm wearing the, a new purple one now. I sold one two weeks ago and this is very organic, but I sold them because people on the floor will go, how much for that jacket? And I've, I sold one the other night for 20 grand. And I just literally get their bidder number, bring them up, take all the stuff out of my pockets and put it on them. And I give all the money to the organization. They just have to buy me a new $200 jacket, right? So it's become this fun, weird thing. It doesn't happen every gig. I don't push it. It happens when it happens. And I've never sold it under five grand, but it started years ago where a guy stood up and said, I'll give five grand to the organization if I can have that jacket. And I turned to my (laughs) client and I said, who is that? Is that for real? And she goes, yep, that's my fiance. (laughs) I said, I got his bidder number and I brought him up and it had a bow tie that came with it. So later that evening, I took off my bow tie and gave it to him, too, because, you know, I mean. You
0: got to love those organic moments that just get people excited and happy. And uh, we had an auction once, well actually it happened multiple years, but the year that I was there, we would auction something very desirable off. And we had a donor that we knew if he was in the room, he would bid until he won. And then he would say, "You know what? I'm going to donate it back. Go and and auction Uh, it off again, and we would start it all over. So instead of making five or ten grand from the item, we were making ten or twenty grand from the item. And those moments are always just so like you just can't plan them.
1: Is that amazing? we, We did an auction once, and there was a female auctioneer, and she was auctioning off a diamond ring. Well, the guy bidding in the audience for it was her boyfriend. Uh oh. And so, as it's going up and he's fighting for this thing, she starts crying, right? Because <laughs> she's, she's probably thinking to herself, okay, either this ring is coming my way or he's ditching me and going gonna... <laughs> <laughs> to. Either way, thing. she's either going to be happy or sad. Anyway, it was kind of a cute moment. And it ended up, you know, ended up in. in... He did ask her to marry her. So, yeah, because that um,
2: would have oh, been kind of really kind of horrible, kind of horrible of on yeah. his part yeah. if he said. <laughs> hey, I'm breaking up with you. I've come all the way to this organization and they're not going to hire you again after this.
1: That's right. <laughs> I know. That's, That's awesome. Funny.
2: I haven't yeah. heard that one. I'm so lucky. And I and I think you two are as well. We get to see the good in people. I get yeah. to see it every night. And I'm just very, very
1: lucky. Yeah, for sure. Well, I would tell you what Co- Toby Keith auctioned off on stage, but this is uh, a PG <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Was it a big old Jack Daniels thing? I mean, no, but it came in a brown paper sack and it was called sight unseen and it probably needed to remain sight unseen. <laughs> but well, anyway, it's for another a time. unique item. You can't yes, get anywhere sure. else. <laughs> that's right.
2: <laughs> and you don't want to uh, uh, get anywhere else. Yeah. It wasn't a diamond ring, was it, Jeff?
1: No, it was no. not. No, no. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, very good. Let's talk about another one that you mentioned before uh, in the book, the sell the farm sponsorship generator. Yes. What, what is that and how does that work?
2: Sell the farm means create line items beyond your normal sponsorships and sell those at a smaller level. You're not giving away tickets. You're not giving away much. And by the way, giving away tickets to these, even the bigger platinum ones, is is gone lower because you want more people in that room who can give and who want to come to this. And a lot of sponsors Mm -hmm. don't send people. So sell the refresher station, sell the bathroom. Sell the bathroom because sell there's the bathroom. two places everybody goes, the bars and the bathrooms, mm-hmm. right? And I'm a big fan of our, I was already preaching, put marketing in both those places. Yep. But why not sell the bathroom, create a thousand you know, a thousand dollars, it's and put a get a plumber to put his, you know, a poster in there or something that or an eight by ten that he's the sponsor. And I went, This is brilliant because you don't have to look like NASCAR. You don't have to have logos everywhere, but you're selling lots of little things. Uh, centerpieces you're selling decor you know little line items and this has helped get clients to the hundred percent mark where they're walking in in the black now
1: yeah and it covers the cost of some of these things too which is nice and we sell logos on the cups right right we serve drinks in so it
0: creates that connection for the sponsor is that I'm not just giving you I'm not just writing you a check which is always what we want and many people are willing to do that but it creates that connection with I'm actually making a difference in this way by covering this cost and I'm getting some marketing out of it too right
2: I walked in uh, the Atlanta Humane Society has a brunch here that I do and I walked in and I saw a huge poster that said auctioneer sponsored by uh, a realtor and I I loved it because I've been preaching, please, please sell me, you know, because I I want every dime, everything you're paying for to be covered. And they took it to heart, and they did. They got everything covered. So that's a goal. Dean is for sale. <laughs> my jacket. <laughs> I love it. My pants, my shoes, <laughs>
1: whatever it takes
2: for the organization, I'm willing to do.
1: But well, these are helpful. And, and like I said, your book was really informative. It's got a ton of these types of ideas in it. Um And so tell our audience real quick, Paddles Up, how do they get a copy of your book if they want to read it?
2: Oh, you mean this book, Paddles Up, Paddles Up. Um, It's free. So I give it to all nonprofits, paddles, with an S, upbook.com, paddlesupbook.com. Just go over there, put in your email address, and you'll get a PDF right away. If you want a hard copy, you can go to Amazon and type in Paddles Up, but take the PDF. Um, It is... All information, no fluff, no awesome. call to action, nothing, yeah. you know, I don't do that. It is pure info because I want to constantly make sure my clients are up to date on everything. They're overworked. They're underpaid. They don't have time to keep up with the trends. They don't have, you know, they. every time we're back together, what's the latest trend? That's the first yeah. thing out of their mouth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You no, know, that's that's definitely helpful. And when you come up with that next latest trend, you definitely need to reach out to us. We'll have another episode with you, and talk about what that latest trend is. But I'd be happy uh, I wanna, to. Yeah, I want to wrap up with one last question. And we started talking about this when we introduced you. Your title: benefit auctioneering specialist. Right. Let's let's talk about what that is, because I would imagine that some of your competition probably includes the drunk board member or cousin Eddie or some dad at a school who just seems to have a great personality or whatever. Is that, is that true or?
2: Yeah. My, uh, early in the career, my favorite thing was, Hey, we need to replace the board chair who got really drunk and started cussing out everybody who was our MC or that dad at the school who might've gone a little rated R. You know, so a benefit.
0: Toby Keith apparently. Oh well, yeah, and his brown bag. Uh,
2: uh, I want want to hear more about that later. Uh, A benefit auctioneer specialist, or auction specialist, I think is what they're calling it now, is from the National Auctioneers Association, which I'm a member, and they have a designation. So there are benefit auctioneer only auctioneers, right? So you can get this. It's basically what I call it's a school. And you go and do their classes. You have to do a certain amount of what I call a mini thesis and to show that you know what's going on, that you are qualified to consult. And Mm -hmm. I am lucky that I come from 25 years of theater, film, TV. I was a full-time actor here in Atlanta, squeaking out a little, uh, uh, somehow squeaking out a living where I couldn't do anything else, right? I did a lot of corporate stuff and all that. So I came in with that where I got really, really lucky. So I know how to work an audience. I know how to stay clean. But I learned through BAS how to sell and what mm-hmm. is it that our job really is for the organization. So I was the first, I think the first person in Georgia to get that designation. I was real surprised nobody had done it yet. I think there's mm-hmm. one in every state now. I mean, the first person. But there's about two to 300 of us, I think. And it's a wonderful designation, and we have to do continuing education to keep that, by the way.
1: Right. No, and I want to give you guys all credit because having done as many events as we've done, you can tell the difference. So when you put a BAS, highly trained person up on the stage, a couple things we know just right off the bat. Number one, that charity has already been equipped and, and trained in advance on what they should be doing. And two, that that person knows how to extract as much money out of the room as possible. And, you know, we've seen other types of situations flop. I've seen really highly trained, highly talented cattle auctioneers get up and auction off items. And, hey, they have a great chant. I I kid you not, they're amazing. But, man, they burn through items like they're burning through 500 head of cattle. And the audience is not engaged. They're not entertaining the room. They're not, you know, kind of getting people connected to the charity and the the item and the organization. And they're not playing bidders off each other and all the other things that we've seen effectively work to kind of drive the bidding up. So uh, 100%. Well, Agree. Quick, 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 yeah.
2: something yeah. you said on that. And you're right yeah. because not all auctioneers are created equal. We each have our own specialties. So I had a woman at an auction, a high-end auction, and I could tell she was a means and that she wanted to buy a very high-end item. And I said, well, it's number four in the lineup. I'll look at you when I start the bidding. She goes, no, I don't trust auctioneers. Uh, hmm. I, you go too fast, and I'm don't. i I'm afraid, and the roundabout way of getting ripped off, right? Yeah. And, and I said, no, 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 no. I don't talk fast. It's called the chant, uh, Jeff just said, but I don't have to talk fast. I'm only selling five items or six items. And I can go slow. And, and I said, ma'am, I will look at you. The bid is now at 2,000. And you just raise. It's now at 3,000. She ended up winning it for like 10,000. And yeah. because she, uh, you have to hold hands and make sure they feel comfortable. I would say a good 75% of my audiences has never been to any kind of auction. I had never been to an auction before I became an auctioneer. I didn't even know it existed, what I what I do now. I had no idea. <laughs> but uh, you have to I go – here yeah. in Georgia, you have to have a license. Uh, yep. Half the state, you have to have a license, right? So we have to go through another auctioneer school. That's beyond BAS. That's the state of Georgia and take a huge test, and that's continuing education. So there's – that there was a whole world. And so, yeah, my is job a whole is world. to hold hands. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, when we first did our very first event, I think I was the auctioneer, and you know, you just – have items and you just kind of start asking people to to bid. And then when you go to an event and you see it, like the light bulb comes on, I get it. Okay. And then when you really see a good auctioneer, then it kind of takes you to the next Mm -hmm. level. And Hey, you can be an amazing benefit auctioneer with a great chant and you can still entertain the audience that has nothing to do with that, but you definitely need to know how to connect. I think with the crowd
0: rally the room and I, Always yeah. appreciate an auctioneer who says, "Okay, what are the names of your top donors in the room? Mm-hmm. All right, where's he going to be sitting? Where's she going to be sitting? And and then not only that, but then during the cocktail hour, during the silent auction hour, okay, point out Mr. Smith to me, point out Mr. Jones to me, and so that they know that you can make that connection, and and then they yeah. take it from there. The best kind of auctioneers take so it from important. there. And, Yes, uh, I really appreciate it. that. Really takes a lot of pressure off of the fundraiser. Right? It does, I mean. and you know and, what? And
1: I love, I love the dynamic between you know that sometimes auctioneers will pull out between the husband and wife, where one of them <laughs> wants to <laughs> bid and the other one doesn't, and you know, look, that's all for for play, but it also works and it's fun. Well, know, definitely. So
2: you're talking about uh, one of the things that makes me a lot. Of, uh, number one question I get there: Are you nervous going up? Well, number one question: Do you talk fast? Uh, uh, yeah. The number two question: Are you nervous when you go up there? And I and it, now this many years in, not really, but I think it's because I've elected to work the room and mm-hmm. talk to a good eighty percent of everybody there. Because now I get to kind of see your face. You know who I am. I know who you are. You you know, I don't know what you want to bid on, but not all the time. But we have a rapport. So by the time mm-hmm. I get up there, you're just my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're my friends. And and on the white husband wife thing. I was once doing one at a school. There was a bidder on the right and a bidder on the left. Having at it, man. I mean, raising, I'm raising, I'm going fast, going fast. And all of a sudden, everybody started laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? It's a husband, wife, and they didn't realize they were bidding against each other. They were, <laughs> uh, they couldn't see each other. And they they knew that one of them needed to bid it, and I said, and of course the bidding stopped, but I said selling it at the high price, you know, so it wherever it landed is where it landed. But yeah, you
1: know, no that, questions asked on why no, they were on opposite ends of the room. They were just <laughs> social, they were
2: having fun. They just didn't under they, you know, I what's I did one over the weekend that my wife was at, and we talk about what not to bid on, and she bids yeah. on the what not to bid on. And I have to legally you get take her up. bids.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Oh, my I wife takes take my paddle bins. number
1: away before the live auction starts every year. I
0: can't do that. Where's so your paddle? Year. I said
1: it's in my I'll pocket. And she she takes it and rips it up. You're not bidding. I've in this seen auction, that. So. I've seen yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, my wife has lost too many of those. She's not paying attention. All of a sudden, we own something she doesn't want. So, <laughs> I've yeah. seen where people will it. grab it their their partner's hand and put it down and look down, down and not look at the stage. I, I've seen it. I've seen it all. That's awesome. Well this has been really informative for me. It's been enjoyable to talk to you about all these different ways that you can make your event better and we'd love to have you back especially when you have your next amazing trend or idea that you want to share with our audience it would be great. Yeah,
2: we love trends. Be happy to. And if you ever want to talk consignments and all that there's so many wonderful yeah. facets of what we do and yeah, you could you could talk for hours and hours. We can.
1: And we will. And we'll consider that booked. We'll get that going on the schedule here because it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. We're going to wrap up this episode of Elevate Your Event Podcast. Dean, thank you again for joining us. And I know our audience is going to thank you. And if you want to get a hold of Dean, and maybe he should be your next auctioneer. Dean, how do they get a hold of you?
2: com, but I like it easier. I have one called WorkWithDean.com.
1: Love it.
0: And we'll post all of those links in in the description of the episode too so you can tap into the description of the episode and find all the ways to connect with dean there
1: perfect all right well thanks to everybody and until next time have a great event and best of luck in your fundraising